When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFiera. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. Brandon, you doing okay this week? L.J., doing great. Um, yeah, I would say personally doing good, but, you know, we received some baseball news over the last week that certainly – does not make me and LJ happy, uh, but we will certainly get to that. But yes, yes LJ, I, I'm doing I think we good. Need to um, start with the predecessor to the, as all of you know, MLB lockout. And that is the report, the story by Business Insider on November 29th. Brandon, it's time to talk about our balls again. Do you want to? Do a rundown of that article for us. Sure. Okay. So Business Insider comes out with a report saying that the MLB intentionally manufactured two completely separate baseballs for the 2021 season, putting one ball in their high ratings games, such as the Field of Dreams game, Yankees, Red Sox, Sunday night, uh, you know, whatever. And then the, this other ball, which was a, more of a dead ball than uh, 
the other one, they would send this ball to, oh, I don't know, let's send it to Seattle and Texas because that's a low ratings matchup. No one's going to be watching it. Let's send it to the Reds and the Pirates. Let's send it to Diamondbacks and the Rockies. You know, let's send it there. You know, what does this league come to, LJ, where we now (laughs) have the league pretty much getting caught for using – for literally tampering with the equipment, LJ. <laughs> They're literally tampering with the with the one like one of the very few pieces of equipment that you need to play the sport. Brandon, are we just going to ignore the fact that I've been talking about this for like a year? Okay. Y'all call me conspiracy theorists. Y'all call me a madman when I accuse the Tony Rendon of using juiced more juiced balls than anybody else. But all of a sudden, when it comes out that the MLB has actually willingly done this in the past, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for not trusting the MLB, but why would I ever trust anyone without that much of a reason? And certainly somebody like a group like the MLB, who will do anything they need to to cover stuff up and will do whatever they want, regardless of the integrity of their sport. I would be willing to bet this was not a one year thing. I mean, it was who? Who was it? It was Pete Alonzo, right? Who during this season came out and said that he thinks it's been going on for multiple seasons. And a lot of it has to do with what players are involved in that offseason free agent class. At least that was his take on it. Uh, regardless of that, uh, this is unprecedented. Uh, have we ever seen a sport admit to doing something like this? Like with the actual playing equipment, why does baseball have so many problems with the actual equipment involved in the sport? We have the, the juiced balls. We got the sticky stuff on the balls. We got two balls. What, what's, what's, what's the issue? You don't see the NBA or the NFL other than deflate gate for the NFL you don't see there being an issue with the actual ball in any of these other sports or in hockey with the puck you don't see an issue with that but then we come to baseball and for whatever reason there's just constantly issues with that you know I think the reason is in the other sports no other sport is dependent as dependent on the makeup of its equipment except maybe like bowling yeah. Um, because when you think about it, so much of the things the players try to do, they can get stuff on. Let's look at the sticky stuff. Let's look at what we talked about our balls about for the first time. Um, with that, the only reason they're using the sticky stuff is less about the grip and it's more about spin, being able to make this ball spin more. You're not, you're not focused about on that in any other sport but baseball. You don't have a ball that's going to do such drastically different things when spun other than baseball because the ball is so small and can spin, rotate so quickly. So I think that is a lot to do with why there's so many equipment issues in baseball is because they're really, there's no other sport that I can think of other than bowling that is as dependent on the physical makeup of the equipment. And same thing with the hitting too. Tightly wound, loosely wound, all of that heavily goes into how well these guys are able to hit the ball. Every single basketball is made the same. If a basketball wasn't made the same, not only would A, people know, but 
it wouldn't have that much of a direct effect on shooting, on scoring like that, without people knowing. Like with the that's the danger of all of this stuff with the baseballs, honestly, is we have a league who fully knows that we can cheat, we can change the ball, and we can get away with it because no one's going to be able to tell the difference because to the human grip, these changes are so slight that they're probably not going to notice. And if they do, they're going to think they're crazy and they're not going to say anything. You, you see what I mean, Brandon? Like if, if you made a ball that was a basketball that felt cons- considerably lighter or the NBA without telling anybody changed the standard PSI, these, those guys are going to know immediately from the first row. And what I think is so interesting, and actually this is something I saw on Twitter when this report came out, somebody took two identical swings, um, and that is with the exit velocity of the ball coming off the bat and the launch angle of the ball being both exactly the same. And they had two completely different flight patterns. One ended up being a home run. The other died prior to the warning track in uh separate ballparks, but still around the same uh, distance to the fence. And that's, that's crazy to me, LJ, same speed of the ball off the bat, same launch angle and two very different results just goes to show that there was indeed two separate baseballs floating around this season. And uh, your team was more than likely affected by it at some point. Oh, absolutely. Everyone's was, um, I've got one more thing here on the two ball thing that I need to say. That's really put Business Insider on blast for this because call me a skeptic, call me what you want. But as somebody who's worked in journalism, it seems like a story that we would have gotten word of much sooner than this had they known. I I have a very hard time believing that they just discovered discovered this within the last coming weeks or within the last couple months to get this investigative piece going. It feels too convenient that an investigative story like this would get done two days before lockout. That felt intentional. That felt like it was set there just to cause trouble, to ca- create headlines and potentially ruin the league. I mean, that's the last thing. I think it would have been much easier to deal with this if this came out in October or early November than right before the lockout, as it's now just another thing on top of, feels like another thing on top of those negotiations, or at least another thing to piss off two sides that we feel have no hope of working together at this point. A month ago, they were still definitely trying to get a deal done, and they still would have definitely tried to get a deal done right away throughout November, even if this story had come out. But the very fact that it happened then, it obviously had to upset just about everyone in baseball, shake up baseball. That is wrong on so many levels and it really hurts the game. So I hope they think about that next time they try to pull a stunt like that. Well, LJ, you did bring it up there in your closing uh, point on the two baseball situation you talked about the MLB lockout which is now officially official uh i believe it was december 2nd at midnight is when they formalized uh 
the lockout. Uh, now, between the Players Association and the owners, if you go on the MLB.com website, they are not allowed to show pictures of any current player, uh, coach, anything like that. Uh, yeah, the, one of the only players whose, whose pictures you can actually pull up when you go to like a 2021 stats page is, is Buster Posey because he is officially retired now through the league. You can look at Buster Posey's face, but if you want to look at Shohei Otani, Fernando Tatis, uh, Aaron Judge, those guys' faces will not be on the MLB.com website. This was something that we had been uh, awaiting. We kind of knew that this was going to happen. And uh, look, at the last time that this collective bargaining agreement was signed was 2016. It was supposed to be a deal through 2021. And uh, yeah, this is, it sucks. I mean, we're going to get no signings. There's no free agent activity, anything. And prior to us getting any deeper in this, I want to say right now, I'm entirely pro player on this, uh, especially when you look at a guy like Jameson Tyone, who had surgery after the season and is currently trying to rehab uh, from his surgery and because the league is on lockout, he's not allowed to go to Yankee Stadium to see the trainer that he's been working with every single day to rehab. And he said, you know, instead of them having to come to just a lockout agreement where they're like, nope, we are locking out. They could have said, we're going to continue talks until this date. And we're just going to be kind of in the like, we're not, we don't have have a CBA, but we also aren't in lockout. They could have done that. And then he could have still been able to go and see the trainer or any player to go see their trainers and staff at their personal stadiums. Instead, the league and the PA both just aren't even trying to get a deal done at this point. They're just trying to show each other that neither side wants to back down from each other. And Jerry Reinsdorf said this, and this is the guy who was supposed to be the and the new MLB commissioner, uh, if, if it wasn't Rob Manfred, Jerry Reinsdorf owns the Chicago White Sox. He said the biggest mistake the owners made in 1994 was not sitting out a second season. So if this is the guy that the other owners and people want to be leading the league, and he's still a current owner and is on one side of this argument, uh, we could not have baseball for a long time. I certainly hope not. And I'm optimistic, but uh, I mean, LJ, this, this just in general is, it sucks. This, this sucks, LJ. It sucks. Look, I have to, in terms of my stance here, I'm certainly a pro player. I'm not as pro player as Brandon is by any means, just because there needs to be that balance. And I, I will, I will never stand fully on one side. But I think the biggest issue now is lack of information for everybody. We can't gauge if we're going to be playing. We can't even, honestly, yeah, we can't even gauge if we're going to be playing a 2023 season, much less the 2022 season right now, because we have gotten nothing coming out of either camp since this lockout that hasn't felt like either a load of crap or has not been found to be an outright lie. Um. Rob Manfred, what are you doing? Um, I'm sure, Brendan, you've seen the uh, thing, him saying that they uh, wanted nothing to do with the propo 
the PA's proposals to go to five-year free agency, and then the PA coming back and saying we never submitted a proposal for five years ever, like that is so counterproductive, buddy. Like, Brendan, maybe you could ask, tell me where do you think that became a good idea for them? Where did that become a sound strategy for the MLB? Because ideally, yes, the worst thing that happened to them was not sitting out a second season, but the goal of this is not to keep sitting out as long as possible. The reason he wanted to sit out a second season is because he believed for his business interests, his needs were not met by that collective bargaining agreement in the 90s. And so a second season of sitting out would have been able to change the tides. He certainly does not believe that sitting out is good for sitting out sake. For Pete's sake, he owns this business to make money off of tickets, to make money off of uh, player merchandising, to make money off of winning, especially for the team he has that he shouldn't want to waste any more time than he needs to. But at the same time, he still needs to make sure his business interests are met. At this point, it doesn't feel like we're even tr trying to make a deal. We don't know of anything in terms of talks at this point, and we are now four days in and we've heard nothing that hasn't sounded like BS and that's the frustrating part look at the end of the day if there is the if there is games that don't get played the players hurt way more than the owners do these owners are all billionaires the guy who owns the Oakland A's is top 10 in the MLB in net worth and refuses to invest in his team these owners can afford to not um have games these superstar players they can afford to do that but what about the majority of the guys represented in the mlb system in the minor leagues guys who are up and down the guys who like a clint frazier who have played in parts of five mlb seasons yet only has a little over three years of service time and under the current system wouldn't be able to be a free agent until 2024 after debuting in 2017 it's it's crazy to me so maybe he'd be a free agent after the 2024 season uh but just lj i, I agree with you it's look we haven't heard anything and at the end of the day when we when we do come to an agreement let's not forget that we need to give the starting pitchers and those guys like a month to get into shape prior to you can actually start playing serious games. I mean, 2020 was a mess. We saw how bad some of the starting rotations were at the beginning of that shortened season because they just didn't have enough time to get ready. And you have to do the same thing. So if that means cutting into spring training and having that end up cutting in the regular season games, then that might be a possibility as well uh, in the spring. Oh, I, I will challenge two points here. First off, let's be realistic. Let's not act like money isn't money and where money goes. No one can afford a lockout. No one can. Not the top I should have said it hurts the players more yes, than the it, it hurts. It, it doesn't, I wouldn't even say it hurts the players as a whole. It hurts that group that you're talking about. It hurts the bottom end of pay. Uh, in the league. It hurts those guys on the minimums. It hurts the guys that are jumping up and down more, significantly more than anybody else. But at the same time, it definitely hurts 
the big name stars, no matter what they're getting paid. And with the amount of money, yes, net worth is there, but it's they certainly don't have all of that money at this point between investments and other things. A lot of these owners, I'm sure, rely heavily on these, on ticket sales and all of that to make back a lot of their money, make back a lot of their investment. And so they can't afford to necessarily afford to either. This is bigger than money is the thing for everyone that's in it. Everyone that's in it feels that the issues that they have, the needs that they haven't had met, met are greater of greater importance and greater value for the league long-term than their own financial situation. And that's where things get scary. The other thing that's scary is that, all right, I'm sorry, let me re rephrase that. It's scary that, it's scary for us getting back to playing baseball because these guys feel so strongly in this cause that they don't care about their own money. That means they certainly won't care about our time until these needs are met on both sides. The thing that I have to have issue with is as with most players associations, a lot of the power, a lot of the vocality comes from top players. Mm. Yes, there are some on the bottom tier that have positions of power within the players association that aren't making as much, but there are also a lot of veterans who've been getting either a million or two million for a bunch of years. So there is this group that we're saying is disenfranchised by this whole thing gets very limited say within a play a player's organ uh players union. So that's something that really stinks too, is that they can't, they don't have their opportunity to say, hey, we need to get paid. Let's end this. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. And we're going to have plenty of time this offseason to talk more about this lockout, the potential issues that both sides are fighting over, whether it's the expanded playoffs or service time manipulation or just a free agent and financial system in general. There's so many different things that need to be sorted out between both sides. And I mean, right now, LJ, I would say that like, because I think uh, pitchers and catchers report right around Valentine's Day, that's like kind of our deadline, like not set in stone, but that's a, a good benchmark, I guess. We're not playing in April. You know it. I know it, Brandon. Let's cut. Let's, let's be real with people here. But I mean, for a deal to get done without anything for, happening, it yes, would have to be. Effects, right. It would have to be Valentine's Day. You're right. That would be the bare minimum. To get actually no, I think they could get stuff done. They could get it in within by March first and still have a decent level quality to the start of the season. LJ, you have to promise me that if there's no MLB, me and you will turn this into a KBO pod, and we'll just cover the KBO until the MLB Brandon. starts. Oh, Brandon, look, I'm in. Got to talk a little MLB too. But I'm in on one condition. I am not staying up to watch these games live. It almost killed me <laughs> last year. I'm not doing it this year. I swear. <laughs> no, 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 no. No we, more 5 a.m. No more 5 a.m. Please. Remember in the beginning of the pandemic, 
when I legitimately used to get up at 5 a.m. every day to watch the beginning of the KBO game, fall back to sleep and wake up for sleep. Yeah. Why not? It was so Beautiful. Much it was the, really online, too. the online Zoom school. Zoom you. Zoom you. Brought to you by Zoom, which is what we're on right now. Zoom. Um, LJ. Red Sox did make a move prior to this lockout that me and you need to talk about. Yeah, the Red Sox made moves. James, Big Maple, right? All right. Well, first, we'll start with Big Big Maple, James Paxton, signing with the Red Sox on a one-year contract after not pitching really at all in 2021 with the Mariners after getting hurt in his first start. And the Red Sox also signed Rich Hill. Uh, so they signed two lefties. You're moving through these awful quick. I mean, I feel like these two can go together, LJ, where Rich Hill and James Paxton, it's kind of the same story. It's a, it's a lefty starter that you're hoping to get 125 innings out of in a 4-5 ERA, and you'll be happy. Yeah, and look, I think with these guys, I think you have to look at it past these two players. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's not like they just added it to top end talent. These are supplementary pieces that they've put together here. And we also have to keep in mind, this is a uh, top 10, I believe. It, yeah, in the, in the top 10 farm system. Heimblum got it, got it there in a year. From 25 to there in a year. This is the deep, by far the deepest that we have been across the board. So I have to think that this is just option 1A, 1A and 1B. There's going to be an option 2 and 3 somewhere in the pipeline that they feel fairly comfortable or it's also going to be able to get them innings if these guys aren't able to get it done or they're not able to stay healthy. So these are options that you have to look much farther into the pipeline to be able to feel comfortable with. I, I have and I can. Well, and Paxton also, you know, you, you have no idea when he's going to come back. He undergoes Tommy John in, in the middle of April. So, you, where we, you know, we don't really know when his return date is. But you're absolutely right about supplementary pieces. I mean, thinking just off the top of my head in that rotation right now, you got Avaldi, Sale, Pavetta, Hauk, Rich Hill, and you guys also signed – Michael Waka, yeah. So you got certainly got names there. You got you got guys, and you've got, uh, and you've got a very fine last couple guys in the exactly, you know, yeah. Guys too that have got can and have gotten very hot. We also have to think about this isn't Mets Rich Hill that we we could be seeing here. This is an organization that has brought a lot of philosophy over from Tampa. Brandon, you remember how good he looked before that trade? Oh yeah. Rich Hill was the pitcher of the month in April? No, it wasn't April. I think it was May. May, May. So, oh, yeah, because, because the Jacob DeGrom got it for, for April, I think. Or no, because this is when Rich Hill was on the raise. Yeah, no, Rich Hill definitely got it in May. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is he, – he's got a lot more upside than I think people are believing. And I, I, don't, I think age is a number. At this point, if you, you're still proving that you can perform consistently each year, then age is meaningless. Well, let's talk about 
the trade the Red Sox made. The real oh. reason I brought the real reason I brought this topic up. I thought I could dribble out the clock, but the Boston Red Sox, Heim Bloom, general manager, has made a big trade. He's traded away Hunter Renfro to get back Jackie Bradley Jr. and two prospects. Jackie Bradley Jr., the worst hitter in the league in 2021, still very fine in center field, will give you well very above fine. average play out very, there. Very fine is kind of throwing shade at him. Ex- sorry, I'm sorry, exceptional in center field. Meanwhile, you give up Hunter Renfro, who was an above-average hitter in Boston, is an above-average hitter for his entire career, which has been almost 600 games. And on a 162-game basis, he's averaging 36 homers and 96 RBIs. Also, very, very good in the outfield. So you give up the good hitter, and good fielder for the atrocious yet gold glove center fielder and prospects and prospects, two prospects to be exact. Um, LJ, explain it to me. These prospects are going to be really good, man. (laughs) That's the only hope I can possibly give you here because by all logic, the two major league players, it makes no sense for. It makes absolutely no sense to move Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. straight up. Because, frankly, you probably could have gotten a halfway decent prospect if the Brewers were just paying you to take on Jackie Bradley's $11 million salary. Which, let me remind you, wasn't something they were willing to pay a year ago. So when we and that we both agreed was a huge overpay to begin with. Yes, massive overpay, but that was what the going rate for was for him at the time. I didn't get it, but regardless of that, I just you know, and I and I'm also here too with that being said, a little surprised slightly that Jackie Bradley is still on the roster. I mean, sure the friends would have thrown a fit but I could have sworn that he would have was going to get caught within a couple of days or no, they couldn't cut him or anything probably, but like he was going to get cut as soon as he made the move. Cause that was just about, that was what this whole thing was about was just getting him off the Brewers books. But to look at these two guys, you got David Hamilton, lefty shortstop. Lefty shorts, like lefty oh, throwing shortstop. No, oh, okay. Bad. I was going to say there. Whoa. Um, no, 70, 70 speed grade stole okay. a keen amount of bags last year. It ended up at 40. He ended up at 43, ba- or I'm sorry, 52 bags across high A and double A last year. Impressive. And then you've got, uh, Alex, Alex Benellis, a third baseman with a potential uh, 60, grade hit potential 50 game power potential 50 raw power potential great question question just real quick so you traded for a shortstop and a third baseman right 
Okay. So you have Xander Bogarts and Rafi Devers, but both could still, in theory, leave. Okay. But your top two prospects is Marcelo Mayer, who is a shortstop, and Tristan Cassius, Cassius, who is a third baseman. And we are unraveling the mystery as we speak. Honestly, this is the, my best hope for understanding this deal personally, is if you just keep poking holes in my logic. Because you also forgot to mention Jeter Downs is also hanging out there as a second baseman. Second base shortstop. So, yeah, and Arroyo. And Arroyo, who's a second baseman. <laughs> Don't worry about Arroyo. And we're bringing back Iglesias, but that's... Uh, so Arroyo is irrelevant, but um, yeah, look. And Kike. Yeah, that's the thing that screws with me the most, actually, now that you mention it. Are you really going to move Kike out of center field? That was a gold glove competitive, at minimum. You have to, you have to agree. His performance in center field was at least – Put him in competition for the gold glove playing there as much as he did you're going to pull him from center field for a guy who can barely hit is that really what we want to see out there not not who can barely hit who can't hit who cannot hit he is bad at hit and he always has been bad at hit don't let anyone forget that i mean akike hernandez just put up five four so i i don't know where he's five going four. now where's he going home Yes. Let's yeah, because I mean, realistically, from there, you're either putting you're either putting him in left, which is a waste, or you're putting him back at second. I don't. I don't. But you got Jaron Duran, who needs a spot in the outfield. Exactly. All the more reason to cut Jackie Bradley Jr. He'd say. <laughs> I've been well, like, okay. just just think you just essentially just bought these two prospects for his contract. Like that's essentially what you guys did. You just bought them. It's only a nine million dollar contract that uh, you have to pay for this year, and then and there's forget, no way that you both you're also agree. Forgetting that we gave up a a great um, right fielder for him as well. Yeah, so you know you just bought them for a lot. <laughs> They're premium. Bought him for a lot, a lot. These are like, <laughs> these are like seven and a half million dollar prospects. It's um, the premium deal. Look, I heard somebody to somebody said to me today, like, Hunter Renfro overperformed. You had to get rid of him. Two things. One, we don't know that he necessarily overperformed. He hasn't gotten this much playing time in his career. <laughs> So this is part, I think, very well could have been part maturation process, acclimating to the game, and then the other part being, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, amount of opportunity. The other thing here is, yes, you had to get rid of them. You don't have to pay nothing. You don't have to pay somebody to get rid of them which is half of what they did for Pete's sake it just it feels like the value here could have been way better on Hunter Renfro if they weren't going after 
Jackie Bradley Jr. Honestly, the real answer is probably the team wanted Jackie Bradley back and they just kind of made it happen. Is the honestly most logical place we've gotten to here. Regardless of the seven and a half million dollar prospects, regardless of any of that, they wanted him here. And maybe, maybe who knows? Maybe they didn't think that Jaron Duran was fully ready for a full year in the majors. Maybe they want to give him another half year in the minors next year and then kind of groom groom him and let Jackie Bradley walk in next year. We don't know. All I know is I'm I was surprised it happened. I was surprised they traded Hunter Renfro. I was surprised Jackie Bradley Jr. was still on the roster at the time of the lockout. It's been a shocking experience. Well, with that, uh, you know, there's not going to be a lot of real baseball news to be talking about on a weekly basis from now on. We will still be here on a weekly basis every Monday night to talk. We don't know what we're going to be talking about eventually. I, I have a but... very good idea for next week. I don't think I've pitched it. But Brandon's going to get a blind react on what we're doing next week, if that's okay with him. Let's go for it. I forgot the name of it. Never mind. Mystery segment tomorrow or next week. You can't even explain the segment to me? No, because the name is the name is enough. I'm sorry. The name would have been name. enough to say. And I'm so are we, all right, LJ. So we will start next week's show, and I will have. I I don't want to know what we're doing. You don't want to so, know what we're doing. Okay. No, I just wanted to literally. I just want to start the show, and then you're just gonna be like, okay, Brandon, this is the segment we're doing, and I will just scramble and figure it out. Because that alone is uh, that can get us to a half an hour right there. <laughs> that alone is entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Well, also knowing me and LJ. Uh, we will find it very easy to get to a half an hour uh, of content. So what, what, what are we ending this show at? Let's see. Uh, if I had to guess around 35 minutes, yeah, 35, 37. 35, so we're going to be under, if we stop talking very soon, we're going to be under our last episode, which means we're getting closer. Okay. Well, we'll stop talking very soon. Follow us, MLB Daily Pod, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We will see you next Monday. See ya. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.